Hey, hey, welcome to Earth's Mightiest Weirdos. It is a Babu's freaking podcast takeover of Earth's Mightiest Weirdos, the host of Babu's freaking podcast, Mike Ruby. Mike, how are you doing this evening? Thanks for thanks for having me back on the podcast. I'm, I'm excited to uh, step out of the galaxy far, far away and into the MCU. Uh, I'm loving Hawkeye and I'm uh, super happy to be hanging out with all y'all today. I think the last time you were on Earth's Mightiest Weirdos was Loki 1, I think is probably the last time. Yeah, so much has happened since then. So, so much. We've broken the entire sacred timeline. Mark Valentine of This Diz Life, of Babu's freaking podcast, commonly of Earth's Mightiest Weirdos. It might be shorter to name all the podcasts you are not a part of. Mark Valentine, how are you this evening? I was just going to say, just say the podcasts I'm not on anymore. So it's, I have Mark Lash. There's too much Mark all over the place, but I'm doing very well. Um, I had a blast talking the uh, Star Wars holiday special with you two gentlemen yesterday. Uh, I'm fresh off of a Diz Live. So coming from our show over there and uh, we've, we've been busy this week in Diz Life land. So and now I'm on the bottom left. I'm cool. With I'm it. in a movie to the other corner. We were covering up Neon Mickey with our logo, and we oh, just okay. we just can't do that. Well, he's the real star of the show. No one really cares about what I say. They just want to look at the neon sign. True. It's all good. Great neon sign. And Miss Kara. I was at a wine tasting with my cousin Ernesto, which was mainly reds, and you know I don't love reds, man. You know, but there was a rose that saved the day. It was delightful. Do you have a delightful rose this evening, Kara? I always do. You know me. <laughs> always do. Kara, doing her own podcast for a graduate level class, that much I do know. What is that podcast about, Kara? Uh, it was just an episode of a podcast, so I didn't okay. actually have to do a whole thing, but it was about uh, racism in television. Wow. Yeah. Cannonball. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you don't know, I'm a, a, in a student like or sorry i'm a student of a social justice education program which will come into play today absolutely <laughs> fantastic stuff and already we have the first call out for the tom holland t-shirt the real the star holland of tonight's t-shirt. podcast i wish i could find one that had andrew garfield and toby mcguire on it i feel like that'll come at some point uh but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it but this is my far from home opening night t-shirt as and it should be Kara, as much podcast uh, experience that you have, it is in on United We Fan. You were on for the Parks and Rec episode. You were also on, what was the other one you were on for? Boy Band. Oh, uh, yeah. You were one of our judges for the the Boy Band Mm -hmm. competition that was completely rigged. Uh, Tell me why. (laughs) But I I I have thoughts. I have feelings. NSYNC should have won. But regardless... What did Frankie say? I need to admit his man. Oh, that's fully admitted, Frankie. We've got no no problems admitting that. Sarah, they wouldn't have me on the panel because my bias ran deep to the Backstreet Boys. I would. There's no in no universe could I cast a vote for NSYNC. Should Should we let him call you Sarah for the rest of the night? Did you call me Sarah? I did. I um, missed it. <laughs> well, Sarah was on the show, so that was Sarah. Sarah was confusing. Show. He was oh. sorry. Sarah okay. and Kara. No, no, no. It's it's all good. Oh, just giving me a hard time, Mike. Mark, Mark, Mike, Mike, Mike. Mark. All right. Uh, let's get into it. First and foremost, we have the world according to Jax. He's going to join us right now. Hey, Jax. Hey, Dad. How are you? Good. Good. All right. What did you think of the announcement of a second Shang-Chi movie? I really like the idea of that. What do you, who do you hope is going to be in it? Um... Trevor Slattery? Yeah. Morris? Yes. Katie? Yeah. Shang-Chi? Yeah. You think he'll be in it? Definitely. Okay. All right. Well, it is being directed by the same guy, so hopefully they do a lot of good, a lot of the same stuff there. What did you think of Hawkeye this week? What did you think of the big giant arrow? That part, um, when you said it was Pym Tech, that, that, I just loved the idea of that and all that stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. What about, what was your favorite special arrow? Did you like the one that, it was full of Play-Doh. Yeah. With the pink Play-Doh. Yeah. And then what did you think of the character of Echo? Um, I thought she was pretty cool. I feel I feel like there's going to I feel like um if they do make another season or 
or something like that. I feel like they're they might bring Echo back and tell us how she had all, all that experience, um, some experience with a bow and arrow when she was fighting him. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got good news for you. They are doing a whole show called Echo. They are. Uh huh. Oh. So that's gonna be pretty cool, right? Yeah. All right. Thanks, buddy. You're welcome, Dad. All right. And that is the world according to Jax. He loves Echo. I think we all love Echo. She is yeah. awesome. I cannot wait to talk about her. But first, let's talk about this week in Marvel. Let's start with the breaking news today. Breaking news? Sure. Not surprising. The good news is, is Destin Daniel Cretton, who was the director of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, will be back not only to direct the sequel to Shang-Chi, but he will also be doing a Disney Plus series. All we know is that Variety reported that it is a comedy. That is all that we know at this point. Give me, give me, give me. Well, a panic, but then I handled it. A show starring Trevor Slattery, directed by Destin Daniel Cretton. I would be absolutely in on that. Mike, are you excited for a sequel to Shang-Chi? I'm very excited for a sequel to Shang-Chi. I think it's going to be even more exciting to see what happens when we use that character not in a not in an origin story context. And I happen to think that Shang-Chi is one of the best origin stories in, in the MCU. I think yeah. they have the right balance of exposition and the right balance of new and interesting stuff without it just kind of feeling like ta-da he's a hero at the end and you've gone through all the motions i think they did a really great job there so give me more of that give me different styles of martial arts movies when it comes back again give me new and interesting characters and delve deeper into the mythology of you know the the chinese and asian landscape you know that's one of the reasons i'm also looking forward to black panther 2 is to to see how much farther they can go into giving us something new with wakanda so um let's go frankie frankie asks was the shang chi news confirmed by marvel no not technically but it never is but when it comes from somebody like deadline the hollywood reporter or variety you can count on it being pretty much uh good to go morris is 90 percent sure he will be in the sequel oh wait wait 19 percent Kara, you, if there's anybody in this world that loves Trevor Slattery as much as I do, it's you. Sure is. We hope, he, we hope he's in the sequel, but regardless, are you excited for the sequel? Yes. Yeah. Shang-Chi was one of my favorite, probably uh, first viewing experiences of all time. Uh, I really enjoyed that movie. I watched it three or four times in the theaters. I've seen it a couple of times on Disney Plus since then. I am very, very excited about this. You did not, I would, I haven't had you on Earth's Mighty's Weirdos since it came out. So I've got to ask, what was your theater experience like when you went and saw Eternals? You just loved that film. Yeah, I was really <laughs> angry after I saw the Eternals the first time. Spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen it, but I was very much looking forward to a relationship that ended up not being a relationship. And I'm very bitter about it, but. I Dane, Dane Cook has a term for that, a relationship that doesn't work out. I'll tell you off air because it's vulgar. It, oh. is, <laughs> it has been a decade since I've heard Dane Cook say anything. Mark, are you excited for a Shang-Chi sequel? Uh, yes. Shang-Chi, I have watched it five times on Disney+. Plus. Uh, I love it. Linda even got into it. It's very hard so, so like the litmus test is if my wife will sit and watch it and enjoy it and it's Marvel, it's good. And that doesn't happen with every Marvel movie. She really likes Thor. I have theories about that. He's easy on the eyes. She loves Chris Helmsworth. So whenever he's on screen, she's like all for it. She loves Ragnarok is probably her favorite. But we sat down and we watched it. She really enjoyed it. Um, she thought Aquafina was just hysterical, which I agree. I thought Aquafina was really uh, a fun addition to the movie. But I mean, Mike said so much of what I feel about the movie. It found the perfect balance as an origin story of doing exposition and pushing the, the narrative forward so that, it, again, it wasn't ta-da. That the, the payoff in the end of the film was gorgeous and it was beautiful. 
And uh, I love like to, both of the post credit scenes were really intriguing to me, like really fun, not just, uh, you know, him going off and, uh, you know, uh, kind of getting we're getting that glimpse and you see Bruce and you see Carol and they're talking about the origin of the rings. That was really compelling to me. But then even like I'm all in for the 10 rings with his sister at the helm. Like that was like, yes, like, hell yes, let's do this. So give me all of the Shang-Chi I can get. Yeah. When they said he was doing, when Destin Daniel Cretton was doing a Disney plus series, I really thought it was made for Jialing and to do a 10 rings show. They said it was a comedy. So I don't see Jialing being the main character of a comedy show, but if you bring Aquafina, Trevor Slattery, Morris, you could easily turn that into a comedy, but that's not something that you want to turn too comedic. So I would expect that not to be not to be the project. Kelly Blair Graham says she was that Trevor Slattery was her favorite character in Iron Man 3 and was she has good taste. Mm-hmm. She has great, great taste. Moving on, we're gonna go back to Mike on this one because I know he is stoked about it. Charlie Cox has been confirmed to return as the MCU's version of Matt Murdock, aka Daredevil. He is a fantastic part of the role. We don't know when it's going to happen. Kevin Feige did not tell us any of that. I have my suspicions that it's going to be in two weeks for Spider-Man No Way Home. As Matt Murdock, I do not expect Daredevil to show up in that film. Mike, you are stoked to have Charlie Cox back. Uh, I am. And in terms of when, uh, in the immortal words of the Spaceballs, when will then be now? I pray it is soon. Um I nice. I love Daredevil to pieces. I think the performances are amazing. I think the stunt work is amazing. Uh, I like the dark and gritty nature of it and the whole Hell's Kitchen universe that gets established there. I, I think the only thing that, that comes even close to that for me in, in pushing the limits of Marvel TV is I love The Punisher as well. So the, 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 real, the real dream, and I think the, I immediately saw a tweet after the Charlie Cox announcement was, Great, you got Charlie. Now where's John Bernthal? We 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 need the Punisher back. Um, I I can't wait to see what happens with Murdoch back in in the MCU. And uh, I I also pray, as one of the other memes I saw comes true as well, that his first big fight scene should be a hallway fight scene. One shot. That would it's, be fun. It wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me. Can we just like? let Marvel do their thing for a little bit before we just get on them about who we haven't gotten yet. Let's we'll let the Punisher come in time. Let's start with Kingpin. Then we'll start with Matt Murdock. We need Fulton Reed back as foggy Nelson because we can't pull John Favreau from the Ben Affleck film. Uh, Lori says daredevil, same guy from the Netflix film. Absolutely. And if you're watching, if you did watch daredevil on Netflix, you need to also pay attention to Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin. Cause that's probably going to matter very soon as well. Kara, you have not watched Daredevil. I know you well enough to know you would not like Daredevil. You've seen pictures of Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock. Does this move the needle for you at all? I have no context for his story or anything like that. So He's blind. <laughs> Can I throw a wet blanket on it for a second? You guys are you guys above me are more than welcome to like uh just uh beat me down. Does the defenders just turn down the volume on things though, having just gone through the infinity saga and seeing what we're getting from, you know, the, the Marvel cinematic universe as at large is does like going to hell's kitchen, turn the volume down. Cause for me, like for me, it does a little bit. And, uh, you know, Kara, do you feel like the volumes turned down in Hawkeye slightly? Yes, I do. I do. I mean, it's okay and it's fun, but I mean, Mike and I have had this discussion about stakes. We constantly have this discussion about stakes surrounding solo. When you do that and like the bigger picture is just so much more important while I enjoy it, I don't get into it as much. I, that's my fear with daredevil. If I, and again, I'm going to watch it and I'm going to check it out and I'm sure I'll love it. But I wanted to throw a wet blanket on it to say, I don't know if the defenders excite me as much as what's going on with, say, like Shang-Chi or the Eternals or what's coming with Kang, the Conqueror. Those things, those big ideas excite me. And Charlie Cox, while fun, didn't really it didn't really get me out of bed. 
allow me to put a space heater near your wet blanket. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I have loved about the Defenders lowercase MCU that was in Netflix, even with the nightmare that was Iron Fist and even with the kind of this hit or miss level of the actual Defender series is that what they do very well in it is establish a universe that you do care about in that you don't care that it's not focused on all of this because you care about Hell's Kitchen, right? It becomes very much about how do I save New York and how do I love New York? And that being one part of the universe that then connects outward to does the hand end up connecting with the 10 rings or the other, the, 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 the other groups that are there? Um, because inevitably the other way to look at it is there are some evil criminal elements in the world that are not going to potentially obliterate half the population of earth. That doesn't mean they're any less evil and it doesn't mean they're any less threatening to the way of life. And they're any less threatening to good, normal folks like us. And so what's wonderful about, Jessica Jones, what's wonderful about Daredevil, what's wonderful about Luke Cage is that they are protecting the everyman where they only call in the Avengers when it's like a galactic size set of stakes. So the stakes are really high. It's just that it's not it's not the universe at stake. It's where these people are and these people as human beings at the stake. You forgot Iron Fist. I don't know if that was intentional or not. Um Sorry, who now? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just playing with you. I got through about five episodes of that before I gave up. I also do not believe Matt Murdock to show up in his. I do not expect a Daredevil, a quote unquote, a Daredevil season four or a reboot of Daredevil season one. I expect him to be a player within the universe where he can pop up in all kinds of projects all over the MCU without having to have his own narrative, which actually makes him a lot more fun for me because that doesn't make him quote unquote smaller scale. Daredevil is so, a cool project to have on Disney plus for that sp specific reason. And it's like Mike just said, the lowercase MCU that I understand not everything has to be a galactic level crisis, but man, if I don't enjoy them, I really do enjoy those, those overarching themes yeah. and, and the big stuff that's but going on. It's, it's also, if I can just add one more thing, it's also the character drama of those, which is really nice, right? Like, so I think we're start, we get that with WandaVision and we're getting it with Loki and we're getting it now with Hawkeye. And so the, the Daredevil and Punisher scale stories are really nice in that they, they look at very specific aspects of humanity, whether it is grief, whether it is violence, whether it is the nature of good and evil, like, it looks at them very acutely through these very interestingly challenged people because they're superheroes, but they're not gods, right? They're much more yeah. akin to Hawkeye where they're gifted, but they're not gods. Um, and I, I get a real kick out of what the human impact of that is when they have to do first aid between fights, right? And they have to think about what the impact is on a girlfriend, a wife, a child that's somehow related to them. I I am stoked for Charlie Cox to return. One more thing before we get into talking about Hawkeye is we got an unexpected trailer on Saturday night. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. Now we know the Spider-Verse trilogy. It's at least a trilogy at this point. Kara, I know you were pleasantly surprised by Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. You love the character of Miles Morales specifically. Mm-hmm. Are you excited for Across the Spider-Verse in 10-ish months? Yes. I don't typically watch trailers, so I haven't seen uh, that footage. But, I, yeah, I am excited. Not on the level I'm excited for Spider-Man No Way Home, but still excited nonetheless. I think I might get there, honestly. like I, It's my favorite animated film of all time. So I'm very excited. The fact that it's a part one, Spider-Man 2099 in the trailer is very upset with Miles Morales for some reason or another. We did get it confirmed that Moon Knight's own Oscar Isaac will be uh, back as Spider-Man 2099 in this sequel. Mark, are you excited for Across the Spider-Verse? I love that film. Uh, I'm really excited. My daughter and I watched that and uh, 
it's got a lot of replay value. I think it's one of the best written things that's that's been done in a long time. The animation's beautiful. Uh, I love Miles. Like he was, it was just fun. It was a, again, that was a really great origin story. Something that didn't feel tired. And you know, that's the thing is after you've rebooted Spider-Man so many times, it can get tired. It, that didn't feel tired at all to me. It just felt really fresh and, um, I love the representation in the film, so I'm I'm in it. I'm in it to win it. Shout out to one of the fans of Earth's Mightiest Weirdos, uh, David, and fellow weirdo. He's been on the show before. He said, what if Miles crossed into the live-action Spider-Verse and they did something like Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Ooh. Mike, would you be in on that? I'm, I'm, I'm all in on Who Framed Roger Rabbit. There you go. Perfect. Well, man, I know you're excited for Across the Spider-Verse. As well. Only if I'm we get Peter Porker. Only if we get Peter Porker. Only if we get Peter Porker standing side by side with John Mulaney. <laughs> give 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 me that universal paradox. Now I'm I, I I agree with you. It's one of my favorite animated films, and certainly one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Spider-Man films. Give me more. One word answer. Do you think we see Miles Morales introduced into the MCU in two weeks? Mark. No. Kara. No. Mike. No, I do not think so either. I don't know if there's any room for him. I want Miles to play in the Sony Spider-Verse and leave Tom Holland in the MCU. But we'll talk about that later on. Tune into United We Fan this Wednesday talking about the Tom Holland Spider-Man trilogy or soon to be trilogy. Let's get into Hawkeye. Neither none of you joined us last week. Um, so I'd love to give overall thoughts, overall impressions of the entire series in general. We'll start with our Broadway wonks to steal a word from mark uh mike i know you're a big broadway guy did rogers the musical move the needle for you because we know thor and captain america are at least easy on the eyes uh R rogers the musical for me um leaves a little something to be desired <laughs> that uh, uh music musically speaking that it's several generations old the uh the choreography is played the costumes leave a lot to be desired steven sondheim it ain't <laughs> no, no, I, I got a good kick out of it. I think the, uh, the, 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 the theater nerd in me did, did, did geek out a little bit when, uh, uh, the actor who, who played Roger and rent was, was, was headlining the musical, um, and the lyrics were catchy, but, as, but overall, as a, your, your thoughts on Hawkeye episode one and two, uh, overall thoughts on Hawkeye though, I'm loving, um, for many of the reasons that I just said a minute ago in terms of why I like uh the netflix series i like that we're getting a look at a human character on a human scale who's in a world that's just so much bigger i've always thought since ultron onwards that hawkeye was a wonderful character because he's a bit of our glimpse in as what it's like to be a normal person um plus the action scenes like if i'm gonna nerd out like what i i loved uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and I thought that the uh, the action scenes in that were some of the best in the MCU. I think that Hawkeye may have him beat with some of the stuff we'll talk about in Episode Three. I love it. You mentioned Falcon and Winter Soldier, Kara. I believe that is your favorite of the Disney Plus series, is it not? It is. Yes. Where yeah. do you stand on Hawkeye Episode One and Two before we start talking about Three? I love this show. I think this show is deep. Uh, you like we could probably talk for days about everything that we've learned in this show, all the themes that are emerging, all the different uh, lessons and everything that's going on, but it's not compromised in, in any sort of way. Like the action is still really good. The humor is still really good. The acting is still really good. So for us to get this kind of like a deep story, but still get all of the good stuff that we love about the MCU is like, ah, oh, really is a Christmas present. <laughs> Mark, how about you? You said you felt the volume was turned down just a little bit. Is that a bad thing? Uh, the first two episodes were good, but they uh, they didn't excite me. I, I enjoyed what I enjoyed from the first two episodes was the meta humor. I liked that they weren't afraid to make fun of Hawkeye and the fact that Hawkeye is kind of he's joked about and even the whole brand like the whole branding back and forth and it was there was a lot of meta humor in those two episodes that was really just well done um i like her 
I like Kate Bishop's character. I like Haley Seinfeld. Um, I think that she's the heir apparent. I'm hoping, and we talked about this off air. I'm hoping that they don't do what I'm fearful that they're going to do at the end of this series with him. That I feel like they're they're gearing us up to rip our hearts out at the end of this series. And I'm hoping and praying they don't do that to my boy Jeremy Renner. Three um, days I, Christmas. Yeah, I I think I would cry. I think I would ugly cry in the shower listening to Taylor Swift if that if that should happen. Um, but I loved episode three. To me, they they turned the volume up. The action sequences, like Mike said, are are pretty amazing. Um it, it's just it's different than anything we've gotten. The thing I like about every series we've gotten so far from Disney plus, they've all been so different. So Hawkeye is not excluded from that. It's just very different from everything else that we've gotten so far. Um, it is closest to the stuff that we saw maybe on Netflix where it's really character driven. And, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of quiet scenes and a lot of character work. And, um, I don't know, like I, I, I don't want to go all in on it yet until uh, let me see what this episode winds up being. Cause I, I I'm, I'm not, I'm not totally sold three started to take me around on it though. Well, let's start talking about three then. And we're going to start with Kara Kara. I want to break it apart by character by character, but I want to start not with Maya Lopez, but I want to start with a young Maya Lopez that we get in the first couple of minutes of this show. What did you make of the growing up stages of Maya Lopez, AKA echo? Yeah, that I, I thought she did a great job. Jalen, one of um, our friends of the show, she pointed out that she's actually Alaqua Cox's cousin in real life. Uh, so it's I cool she to have that. So similar to her yeah, that a lot. yeah, it's cool to have that. Yeah, there, there we go. It's is. cool to have that family connection. I thought her acting was also really good the scene like to speak to mark's point the scene where they were uh where she was doing the uh shadows on the wall with her dad and the dragon eats the hawk i was like no i don't like that i don't like where that's going uh but yeah i thought i thought she was lovely mike i know one particular thing stood out to you when we were seeing a young maya lopez and that is the uncle that takes her home from karate practice Yes, the uh, the the rather large uh, hand that comes into frame. Uh, I I am super hopeful that that means Kingpin. Absolutely. Um, uh, Vincent Vincent D'Onofrio, as we talked about off air, he's he's tweeted specifically with Hawkeye saying, "I love these MCU shows." Um, Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin is one of the best portrayals of a, of a villain in any of the Marvel pieces standard mcu or netflix mcu he's terrifying and you can't take your eyes off him like it's it he's like joker level for for me so i Jeez. i would love to see what happens when they bring kingpin in here um my only uh my only hope is that i i've, I've read rumors that he might be a little bit computer altered to give him the gargantuan size of the character Vincent D'Onofrio is a big dude. I, I just hope they roll with him and just make him look big with the lens. Mark, what did you make of the Maya Lopez origin? Uh, really fun. Does this change? My question would be for you. I'm going to flip the microphone on you for a second. Does this change your perspective now on child actors? I know that you and Mark have long had that discussion on not liking children. I, I've, I've struggled with it in the past, but like honestly, the MCU has nailed it with every single Disney Plus show. They had... Um, the little girl that played Wanda in the eighth episode of WandaVision. Um, they had Kid Loki was fantastic. Uh, the little girl that played Kate Bishop last week was really, really good. Um, this little girl was was great, too. I think they they were brilliant with all the framing of the shots. Why was she sitting on the backpack in the or she's sitting on the bench with a backpack in front of her right foot, not knowing that she's an amputee at this time, like all the cards that are played against her. No, I, so to answer your question, the MCU has not gotten a child actor in the Disney in Disney plus incorrect yet. So you're coming around. <laughs> I'm coming around because I think Kevin Feige and Sarah Halle Finn, who's the casting director for the MCU is brilliant at her job. Agreed. I've, I've, I've enjoyed her. So, um, 
Well, let's talk a little bit more in a broader sense then. Kara, we'll go back to you because I know you have many, many thoughts on the character of Maya Lopez. Mm -hmm. She is right now foe to Clint Barton and Kate Bishop. She is getting her own show. We do expect that she will come around much as many of our characters have done lately. They're introduced as a as a villain or an anti-hero of sorts, and then they come onto the right side. So I think Hawkeye season two is going to be the title show of Echo. Kara, what do you make of the character of Maya Lopez played by Alakwa Cox? Yeah, I am very excited about this character. So again, for anybody who doesn't know me, I have no background in the comics. So every character that I get that I haven't seen before is like a pleasant surprise. And I get to learn about them kind of as we go in the show. So without knowing too much about her, um, I probably will focus mostly on her the significance in the MCU in media in general. So uh, if Mark, I could borrow your soapbox for a minute. Go ahead. Here. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you mentioned a Falcon and the Winter Soldier earlier, and I was thinking about it um, kind of throughout the week. If you think back to the beginning of the year, we got Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and it was all about identity and oppression and kind of how we as a country, we me as a neighboring country, <laughs> uh, how we as a society, I guess, deal with that in different ways. And then since that show, if you look at what we've gotten, it's Black Widow, Shang-Chi, The Eternals, and Hawkeye. And each and every project has been really on purpose about representation, diversity, equity, inclusion, all of those things. So for me as a social justice student is very exciting. I can now talk about it in class and use it in assignments and stuff like that. Um, but particularly with the indigenous community, I was looking up uh, some stats from this year in 2021. So these are current stats. There is less than 0.6% representation from the indigenous community in television uh, and less obviously way less of the 0.6 percent are female so to have two right off the bat uh, in this series is huge uh, and then even just going past that and looking at the intersectionality of what uh, Alakwa Cox and um, uh, Echo are dealing with of being a woman being an indigenous woman a deaf woman and uh, an amputee all at the same time like that's a lot of layers of of stuff and oppression that she's had to deal with as an actress and, yeah, uh, and now as a character if you, if you didn't know she is all of those things Alakwa Cox is all of those things not just the character of Echo I apologize yes yes so to have like to be a woman and to know what it's like to watch Black Widow and now all of these other uh, females in the MCU and what that means to me, I'm just watching that and going for every person that identifies with at least one or more of the communities that Echo and Alakwa are a part of, what an amazing uh, piece of representation that they can look at that and be like, wow, that's what I can do. Look at what I, where I can go in life. And it just changes the conversation that people are having with themselves. So for me, like, I am in love with this character. This actress literally said that she, this is her first acting gig. She said she went into the entertainment industry because she didn't see any representation. So she was going to go be the representation. And I have mad respect for people like that. So I have nothing but good things to say about her. And I hope that we see a lot of her in the future. Mark, go ahead. I was going to say on a separate topic to piggyback off that, uh, my podcast partner and I, Dwayne Willie, over at This Disney Podcast, that's exactly what we talked about yesterday with Encanto, that I think that Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, I think there, there's a real concerted effort for creators in the, Disney, uh, in the Disney family to realize that representation matters. And it's important to tell stories, whether it's in the Star Wars universe, to tell the story of Cassian Andor, it's important to make a film like Encanto that when little girls and boys go to theaters to see someone who represents them on screen. And I think, you know, not to belittle those other areas, but like the superhero genre is, is really important. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone, Superman's not a catch all. Like he's just not, there's a lot of people around the world that look at Superman or they look at Captain America, or they did look at Captain America, and they said, I don't see myself in that hero. So to see this 
what seems like a very uh, an active attempt on the part of of Kevin Feige and the casting directors over at the Marvel, Marvel Cinematic Universe to be cognizant of that type that those type of casting decisions I, again claps and this is what we talked about when we um when we roundtabled uh, the Eternals I said the thing I loved most about Eternals as a project was on that screen at any point in time there was someone who could look at that superhero movie yeah. and say. I, like there is someone that I can identify with in on this team right now. And I just simply loved that about, uh, about that film. And it's what I love about uh, Captain America and the winter soldier. It's what I love about Loki. It's what I love about uh, this show is it seems like they're, they're really making smart decisions to say, we want to have, uh, we want to have heroes that little boys and little girls from all around the world can look to and say, that's my person. And that's awesome. It's amazing. That's off to uh, feeling representative for the deaf community. They've gotten two of the coolest characters in a lot. Makari was awesome. Yeah. Echo is awesome. And the one tying piece together there is Lauren Ridloff's husband, who was um, Makari in Eternals. He also served as the ASL uh, liaison for Hawkeye as well. Uh, so he's been doing a lot of stuff there. Mike, I know where you stand on these things. I know you echo a lot of the same sentiments when we're talking about this representation. How cool was it to see that representation come right on your screen at the beginning of this third episode with the character of Echo? I think it's great. Um, the, and the, the other thing that I really like about it with the way that recent Disney ventures and, and certainly the MCU have done it as well is they're not, they're not doing it with a, with a fanfare that says, look at what we're doing. Yeah. It's, they they treat it with respect and they treat it as if it's part of normal life because it is right. Mm -hmm. You know, if, mm -hmm. if we're a society that's comprised of many different types of people, then of course the superhero community should be comprised of lots of different types of people. Um, so I, I, I enjoy that they, that they, they make it important, but they don't make it like, Hey, look at us and look at what we're doing. They, they treat it as something that is natural and correct for the story and at the same time feels really good and really important for everybody at the same time. So I I'm, I'm, I'm all in on it. Mm -hmm. Looking outside of the character of echo, she's working with a bunch of bumbling idiots who love the imagined dragons. Um, she's also working with Kazi who I, I I'm not there with, with this guy yet. Obviously he's going to play a role because they're searching into Kazi through Bishop security at the end of the episode. Um, and we'll talk about the end of the episode at the end of our episode. Um, Kazi, he hasn't got me yet. I don't dislike him, but I don't know why I should be invested. Mike, it looked like you had something there. Yeah, well, I, the thing that I love that they establish really well, and I think it's one of the few times that we've really gotten to see this, is and they're they're doing it, they're doing it because they want to manipulate us into thinking that Echo's okay, even though she's working with bloodthirsty killers, right. but. What I love about the tracksuit mafia is that it is the first time that we are somehow humanizing the villains, right? They're not just bumbling idiots and they're not just bloodthirsty killers. They're also some little girl's dad, right? Like, and the fact that, you know, I, I think you may not be crazy for Kazi, but like, I think the, the, the point of him is to have somebody who we can also empathize with mm -hmm. within the crew because the rest of them are all, you know, shouting, you know, shouts, screaming and singing believer and running around, you know, wishing that they got more action, you know, pulling out their guns. Um, but there's actually somebody else there is trying to establish that there's somebody else with a heart and with a brain in there. So I, I find Kazi to be interesting in that regard. But more than that, what I really like about the tracksuits is they're, they're, giving us an opportunity to understand that some people are not inherently born evil. Like they have to choose it in order to get by. And I, I think there's something really cool about that. She does not want, nobody knows Clint is Ronan. Like Kate hasn't even put this together yet. Mark, do you think Ronan Clint Barton Ronan is the one that killed her father and the tracksuit mafia? I do. Okay. I don't think, I, yeah, there's a, there's growing sentiment out there that, there's Ronan knockoffs. I think it was absolutely Ronan. No, it's 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 him. I mean, I I don't see how that how it could be anyone else but him. I hope it's him. Yeah, it should I, be I mean, him. Yeah, well, I think if, it will be. If it's not, it cheapens his scene in the diner. 
right? So there's the scene in the diner with him and Kate where Kate's saying, this is what I always wanted. And he says, it comes with a cost, mm-hmm. you know? And that's one of the things that I, I really like about Clint and Natasha is that they are the two human beings and they, along with Fury, their hands are not clean. You know, mm-hmm. as they say multiple times, there's a lot of red in their ledgers. And I think the way that they actually look at both the physical and mental trauma that all of this bright, flashy, amazing hero stuff has been for, for, for the MCU. Like there's a lot there. That's not so great for Clint that he's got to live with. He's got physical and mental scars. And I love that this show that he goes to, that he goes to a Broadway musical. No one gets depressed at a Broadway musical and he has to leave because he sees his dead best friend dancing on stage like a fool. I, I, I find all of that to be really, really great. I thought he left because Ant-Man was in the scene and he's not supposed to be there. When his kid goes, why is everybody singing and dancing about everything? I, I love that part. That was such a Brian Lee line too, by Absolutely. the way. You were that, darn right. If you and I were sitting together watching like Beetlejuice the musical, I could, you would turn to me in the middle of it and go, but why is everyone singing and dancing right now? That is such a thing you would say. 100%. You are correct. Kara, I'm going to put two scenes in front of you and I wanted you to tell me which one landed better. I love everything about Haley Steinfeld's Kate Bishop saying you both need to apologize. She needs to apologize for what she's doing, but you need to apologize for buying a gift of a Megan dragons for you. Uh, but then they tell her she talks too much, but we got two really fun scenes. One was much quieter than the other because he lost his hearing aid, but the car chase scene with the 360 camera angles was absolutely great. But honestly, I think I prefer the action scene of fighting through the KB toys warehouse and Hawkeye finally pinning everybody's hand to the posts with arrows and all that kind of stuff. So Kara car chase scene or fight scene in the KB toys warehouse. Okay. Well, let me tell you that that fight scene in the toy warehouse, when he's like, when he gets the two arrows and echo to pin her to the wall and then is like back diving to get uh, into the ball pit. <laughs> yeah. To get Kate out of there. I was like, this is what we have been waiting for. This is Clint's due. He has been faithful to this series, to this franchise for years. And he finally got like, I thought that scene was just as good as any of the other uh, like big ticket Avenger scenes we've gotten in the past. Obviously not, you know, Captain America holding the hammer, but like it, it holds up to anything else that we've seen before. The car scene was great. It was a funny, it was fun. It was exciting. There was Christmas music. It was all this kind of great stuff. But that scene uh, of Clint showing us why he was an Avenger to me was like that hit hard for me. Honestly, I think the tiebreaker for me, the camp, the 360 camera angles was awesome. I'm going to give the tiebreaker to the car chase scene simply for the trust a bro moving company. I love <laughs> trust the bro moving company and I need that t-shirt to hit Amazon ASAP. Mike, if I put both scenes in front of you, which one do you prefer? Car chase. 72 every, challenger. Every, every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Um, I, I think that the, the, the K, the KB fight is great. The car chase is iconic. Um, I, I think that if you look back and anybody says like, what's the action scene that, that defines this series, that's going to be the one, um, it is such, it's the first time that the MCU has ever really done a proper 1970s Starsky and Hutch, the French connection style car chase and like down to having the cars that like, you might something that like Huggy Bear would be driving. Um, I mean, it's, it's a legit new york 1970s car chase um and you get the the joy of discovery throughout the entire thing with every different arrow it's you know there's arrows more dangerous than this one yeah all the, and then and then you know the, with the beautiful payoff at the end like oh i think i finally get the plunger arrow like the 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 comedy is great but the action as well it is so well shot and so much of it looks practical like it makes me wonder except for like the kind of bad sparks coming off of the fallen uh, traffic signal. Like how much of that did they do in camera versus do with effects? Um, the, the pink, the pink Play-Doh kind of took me out of it a little bit. That didn't look yeah, st- stellar to me, but other than that, I'm with you. It's also, I, I think perhaps some of the best surprise in camera cinematography 
Um, I think it's best best typified by the fact that when we got done watching it, it wasn't the big giant arrow that my kids were talking about. It was when they ran over the wacky, wavy, inflatable tube Santa, and he comes back up into the frame after. Like that to me says that's a director and a stunt choreographer who pays attention to the little details, and I dig that about you. And Clint says sorry, Santa, right before he runs him over. That's my favorite part. It makes me miss Lights Motors actions at Disney's Hollywood Studios, Mark, by seeing a car go that fast in reverse. If I put both of those two scenes in front of you, Mark, are you picking the car chase scene as well? So can I take a page out of a Brian Lee uh, playbook? When when I do this to you over on Babu's, you say, but can it be both? <laughs> I so Do I have to pick? They were both great for separate reasons. Um, they're really fun. If you had to put an arrow to my head, I would have to say the car chase as well. Because be, for the same reasons that Mike I'm said, not let, I'm not going to let that slide. Oh. That's it. <laughs> I ruined your flow. I'm sorry. You did. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't let it go. Uh, it'll be the scene that we talk about when, when the series ends, it's going to be the, the one scene that we go back to and we, and we talk about as, as an icon for, for giving for giving Jeremy Renner and Hawkeye his due, both of, both of those scenes accomplished that. That now you understand why he's an Avenger, but that the car scene was just so much fun. Mark, I'm going to bring it right back to you. Something interesting to me is that Echo almost seems offended by the fact that Hawkeye is so quote unquote reliant upon the technology. Talking about his his hearing aid. Where do you think that that's going? Cause I don't think it's over. She clearly crushed it on purpose. Where do you think there's going to be anything to that? I don't know. I mean, it was, I, I, it's important. It's obviously important. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I don't want to put my foot in my mouth and say the wrong thing here. Cause I just don't, I don't know where they would go with that. I mean, it's, it's not something that I really, you know, that I, that I can really like even, even touch because it's just, it's an area that, I mean, I'm just, I'm blessed with, with that, that I don't, I don't have to worry about that in, in my life. I mean, I have other maladies and I have other issues, but, um, I know it's going to come into play. I just don't know how. Um, and it was a really great line. It's not a throwaway, but I'm really intrigued to see where they go with this. Kara, did that stand out to you like it did me? Yes. Yeah. I thought that was huge. So I took that a little bit different as, and I was going to bring this up earlier when we were talking about Echo, but one of the things I really like about her character is that she's truly embraced who she is, mm -hmm. uh, disadvantages and disabilities and all of that, and turned everything into an advantage and to, uh, like, to her benefit. And so the fact that she has spent so many years going and just throwing herself into who she is and using it uh, and just being so confident with it to see Clint not do it. Like the first meeting she has with him, she challenges him to start embracing who he is and what he may see as a fault of not being able to hear anymore. She's seeing that as a strength. You can use that as a strength. I can teach you how to use that to your advantage. So I'm hoping that she teaches him. I'm hoping that's where we go with that. Uh, and that he starts using some of these things that he maybe thought before was a really negative thing and use it towards his advantage. When Kate leans in the window and she says, hey, we're communicating. She gets that smile on her face. I love it. When that scene ends with them on the subway of, man, we should go walk the dog. Like he's been cooped up all day. And then he says how proud he is of, of her arrow shooting. And, and she's like, really, you think so? And then he's like, we got to go walk the dog. He's probably been cooped up all day. Like laugh out loud, funny stuff. Mike, did that stand out to you? Is there anything else that you, you have there? Well, that, that, that stood out for me the, for the same reasons that, that Kara was describing earlier. Like that's a very, and somebody said it in the comics, it's a very specific and authentic thing in the deaf community. Uh, my, my sister was uh, an RA on a deaf floor in college. And she told me that like it was, there used to be very long and passionate conversations because there's a split in the, in, in, in the, the deaf community about whether it's truly embracing who you are as a person who can't hear if you're using a piece of technology. And there's, there's, there's real philosophical debate among people in the deaf community about whether you should use a hear whether you should use some form of hearing aid or not. So the fact that 
they're inserting that into the conversation, whether they pay that off in a really big way or not later didn't matter for me as much as I was just impressed at the level of authenticity that they have a character who has embraced her, her deafness and mm-hmm. used it as part of her advantage to be a superhero and that yeah. she's willing to make that commentary. And again, they can disagree over it, but it's, 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 it's so spot on that I, I just really respected the, the writers and whether she brought it or the writers brought it in that they, they really nailed what it is to have that, that level of characterization and how real that is. So I, I, I respect that and liked it for those reasons. That's pretty cool. Uh, Mark, strap it in arrow guy. The last time we saw Pym tech, even close to the tip of an arrow like that, we saw Ant-Man headed into the armor of Iron Man, which then brought about the suit in infinity war. So they couldn't be punctured anymore by anybody else. But Mark was the giant arrow corny to you or was it cool? No, it was fun. It was a cool Easter egg. I mean, how can you how can you hate any kind of Pym Tech? I we were before we even came on, we were talking about the Ant-Man films and the place that they hold in our heart. And we're all four of us are fans of of the Ant-Man franchise and and uh what's not to love about a little bit of Pym Tech working its way into all of these these films. It was delightful. Not as delightful as it was slices. <laughs> I was going to say, not as delightful as a rosé could be, but delightful nonetheless. But can, though. (laughs) Kara, corny or cool? Uh, I loved it. I'm a sucker for continuity, so I don't care what form it comes in. If it's Pimtech, I'm here for it. It sounds like we might hit a four for four, Mike. Do you agree? Oh, I'm I'm all in. And also, I, I know we don't want to be spoilerific here, but I'll just flag it for anybody who wants to see. There is apparently... Um ant-man 3 art that hit the web this last week there's like a t-shirt from like like a crew t-shirt with some remarkable art with involving ant-man and a potential villain that is awesome i highly recommend it if you're curious not necessarily potential it is it has been confirmed by kevin feige but yes i saw what you're talking about it's cool it's so cool but i i was tiptoeing brad and i didn't want to i appreciate want to be that guy no, I appreciate it. You're you're good. Yeah, go check it out if you if you care about that kind of stuff. Well, we'll finish it up. They are looking for Kazi within Bishop Security, and the fact that Clint is just blown away by her penthouse apartment that we saw in the first episode, like that, all made me laugh. Mike is the swordsman Jack Duquesne friend or foe? Because I really think the next episode is going to start with. You're Hawkeye, man. Like, will you sign my sword or something to that effect? Because Jack's too funny to be like a full-blown, and he's kind of goofy enough to be a full-blown villain, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I, I keep try- I can't quite put my finger on it. Um, my my guess is that Vera Farmiga is too good of an actress and has been too withdrawn from the last episode and a half that she's probably going to be the one who gets revealed as being the bad. You know, again, kind of going back to the standard like Marvel trope of like, ta-da, it's the villain. Um, so he could be bad. He could be good. I would. Lo- I, I think that would be fantastic if that if the reaction you just described is what we get next week. Like, oh my god, it's Clint. Like that would be amazing. Um, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I, I think we need. I think we need to find out what Vera brings back to the table when she suddenly gets a little scary. The reason I am certain Jack did not kill his uncle Armand is because they want us to believe he killed his uncle Armand. Mark, do you think Jack Devereaux, the swordsman, good guy, bad guy, indifferent, doesn't matter? If he's bad, a little on the nose, don't you think? Like the tracksuit mafia, a little on the nose. Uh, I would be su- I would be surprised if only that. I think they I think they want you to look that direction, and I think they're purposely trying to set it up because of her mistrust of him that they're trying to make you believe that he's a bad guy. And I just, I'm not biting. I'm I, not biting. He just pulled a sword on somebody that was in his house. I don't think he pulled a sword on Clint. Like I think okay. he's, once you realize whose it is, it's going to get pulled down. Kara, do you think Jack killed his uncle? Um. Well, I mean, I did up until this conversation. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I don't know if he's bad or not. I do not like her mom. I have said that since the beginning, regardless of whether or not she ends up being bad or not. You don't like the character or you don't like Vera Farmiga? Uh, No, I don't know anything about the actress, Uh, but the character, like, I don't think she's a good mom. I think there's been several (laughs) uh, 
conversations and things that she's said to Kate throughout the show that makes me very uncomfortable and has had me leaning towards her not being kind of what we thought she was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think that Jax is a good guy or a bad guy. Well, he might just be a guy that likes yeah, butterscotch candies. That's it. It's just there. My yeah. name is Inigo Montoya. Killed my father. Prepare to die. We will end this week's episode. Jalen is in the comments. We will not forget him. Lucky the pizza dog. He is simply just pizza dog at this point. He likes the name. He smiles. Kara, you're all in on Lucky the pizza dog, I know. Yeah, I like pizza dog. Yeah, he's cool. I like when she was like little little Caesars or whatever, because that's <laughs> also like a type of pizza. Uh, so I liked that. I like, you know, he's a good boy. So what's not to like? Well, you guys are not from the New York metropolitan area. Mike and I do hail from there. So we we uh, we have many animals that have the moniker of pizza as its first part of, of its name. We have Pizza Rat, who is very famous. Pizza Rat went viral uh, many years ago. Was it Mike three years ago? So I, we, at, at least. Yeah, we can welcome Pizza Dog. So we're 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 all in for it. I lo- Just I as lo- long as he folds the slice in half. Right, Mark? It's true. You have to fold. If you don't fold, you're not a New Yorker. It's not real pizza, and you're not a real pizza eater if you're not folding. Mike, we'll go to you for any final thoughts you may have on the series of Hawkeye. Any wish lists other than the character of Kingpin, played by Vincent D'Onofrio? Anything else that you want to make sure we talk about or that you hope to see in the coming weeks? Well, I'm. I, we haven't mentioned her, although it was hinted at You know, at the, the end of Black Widow. I'm excited for when Yelena makes an appearance. I think that will be exciting. Yeah. I, I look forward to her and her her newly owned superhero landing. Um, I uh, I'm looking Closer. forward to hopefully seeing Clint go out in a blaze of glory. That doesn't mean that I hope he perishes, but I hope that he gets a really awesome final action scene in this thing. Um, and I'm super curious to see what the connectivity is of this to what follows in the MCU from here. Cause as we've seen, there's, there's never anything that just ends. So even if it has a finite ending and I was disappointed that Loki didn't have that finite ending, if this has a finite ending and he gets to go home for Christmas, I'm, I'm going to be super curious to see what threads they leave. Uh, they leave open for the future. There has been a promo saying the best is yet to come. The surprises are yet to come in this series. And it had a hooded black figure with green night vision lenses. That is certainly Yelena Belova in her Thunderbolts costume. I'm excited. And I think we're going to get it this week. I also expect a Kingpin post-credit scene this week. That's just me simply guessing. Kara, anything else that you want to make sure we talk about or any wish list items for the rest of the show other than, if Clint dies, you burn the entire place to the ground. Exactly what I was going to say. I'll bring the canister of gasoline, Kara. Yes. If we lost everything that we've lost to keep Clint just to lose him at Christmas time, yeah, I will burn the place to the ground with Mark, apparently. I'll burn uh, you. I'll yeah, burn you. that's my biggest wish. Um, yeah, I, I'm just loving every piece. I don't really have anything to add because nothing that I could ask for or could say could be better than what they're currently giving me. So, Kara, can I can I just borrow a second of your time? Born yeah. Legacy with Jeremy Renner, yes or no? I didn't love that one. Oh my god, Sorry. I'm shocked you've seen it. Like I'm I, shocked you've seen it. We were so vibing. I, Kara. I know. Okay, so hear hear me out. I love the the Born Legacy, and I liked that movie as well. But there was one scene in that movie that literally gave me nightmares, and it was that scene where they were all in that um, the lab, and yeah. then he just killed everybody, and I just yeah couldn't recover from that. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Did he do it with a pen? Because if he didn't, he's not Jason Bourne. Mm-hmm. No, Mark- I don't think it was him. I think it was a villain. Oh, Mark Valentine. Yes, sir. What are you hoping to see? Any last thoughts on Hawkeye episode three? Give me all the pockets in the vest. Yelena, please. I will uh, eat my favorite thing between she and the Red Guardian were my favorite thing from the Black Widow movie. Uh, I'm all in it. I can't wait for her to try out her new superhero pose. She's going to be a total poser. Total poser. poser. Well, Mike, Mark, Kara, thank you so much for joining us this evening. If there's anything that you need, you can follow everybody on Instagram, 
check out Babu's freaking podcast where we went a little off the rails talking about the Star Wars holiday special as well as the Lego Star Wars holiday special. Kara, go watch some Star Wars. Watch Hawkeye tomorrow morning at 3 a.m. If there's any or no, I guess two mornings from now. But if there's anything else that happens in the world of Marvel, you'll know where to catch us next Monday night. Thank you so much for all time. Always.